my right hand foot would just suddenly lose coordination completely and I would be like why has that happened and it wouldn't be every time but it was was quite noticeable handwriting as well started to deteriorate and I just started to get aches and pain in my right hand side for what I thought was no reason at all when I was going down to do press-ups, I was having really, really strong pain across the front of my head. And I don't really remember much more than that, actually. But it carried on for a number of days, so it wasn't a huge event for me. It was a fairly significant hemorrhage bleed out that went over quite a few weeks. and. I gradually put two and two together. I had a CT scan. This was Saturday, so they kept me in. On Monday, I had a CT scan and they just said that they had found a mass. And then I had an MRI with contrast on the Tuesday. And they said that I had a cavernous malformation in my brainstem, which had hemorrhaged. I had no support at that time and I was the only person that I knew that was living with this and I wasn't with other stroke survivors or you know people that work with people with stroke no volunteer no, no support network at all Hello, I'm Mark Goodyear. Welcome to Stroke Stories, the podcast that seeks out and hears from stroke survivors. Cavernous malformations are clusters of abnormal blood vessels that can be found in the brain and spinal cord. If they leak or burst, they can cause a severe hemorrhagic stroke. And it's estimated that every year, about one person in every 400,000 in the UK is diagnosed with a cavernoma that has caused symptoms. In this episode, we'll hear from Kath Charles from Swansea, who had her stroke at the age of 43. I was a manager for a telecommunications company. Worked full time, worked above and beyond, was quite social, very active, certainly worked out at the gym five or six times a week. So just very active lifestyle. I remember going to see my sister who lives in New York and I remember coming back from New York and I remember first trip back to the gym and for some reason when I was going down to do press-ups I was having really really strong pain across the front of my head and I don't really remember much more than that actually but it carried on for a number of days so it wasn't a huge event for me it was a fairly significant hemorrhage bleed out that went over quite a few weeks and I gradually put two and two together I noticed that I had a face paralysis on one side and it's quite severe on my left-hand side. My eyelid shuts and spasms for about 20 or 30 seconds at a time, and then it's gone. And it can do this anything between 
four times a day to a hundred times a day, really, depending on how tired I am. I noticed that that was something that was with me all the time. And I also noticed that my right side was generally weaker. When I was lifting weights, I would have to do most of the lifting with my left hand and the left side of my body. And also when I was on the exercise bike, doing quite a lot of timed events, trying to creep it at quite a lot of reps per minute, my right hand foot would just suddenly lose coordination completely. And I would be like, why has that happened? And it wouldn't be every time, but it was was quite noticeable. Handwriting as well started to deteriorate. And I just started to get aches and pain in my right hand side for what I thought was no reason at all. For several years before suffering her stroke, Kath noticed a problem with her vision. I'd been to the doctor on and off for about five or six years because something wasn't completely right with me. When I looked to my left-hand side, I first noticed it when I was, of all things, shaving my armpit. It just didn't look right. And it was like, well, are you? have you got vertigo? And it was like, well, no, it's not vertigo. It just it looks different. Something about my turning my head to the left-hand side was just very different. And they first thought it was an inner ear thing, and then they thought it was benign positional vertigo, and then it was stress, and I started to get really bad headaches. So it was tension, and I gave up in the end. I was like, is no one actually going to send me for a brain scan to find out what's going on? So I took myself to the ophthalmologist for an eye test. And that's when they took one look at me and sent me straight to the hospital. <laughs> was really panicked, got there. My eyes were absolutely fine. And all anyone kept saying to me was, there's something that's gone on in your brain. There is something happening in your brain or something has happened in your brain. So we're not letting you go anywhere until you've had a brain scan. It was the fact that I've got nystagma, horizontal nystagma in both my eyes. The right side is worse than the left-hand side. And that was something that they hadn't seen. I think it had been about 12 months since my last appointment, and they hadn't seen that on the last appointment. And it's a, a red flag symbol, apparently. Kath was in hospital for 10 days. I had a CT scan this was Saturday, so they kept me in. On Monday, I had a CT scan and they just said that they had found a mass. And then I had an MRI with contrast on the Tuesday and they said that I had a cavernous malformation in my brainstem, which had hemorrhaged. And that's what the stroke was, was a, a leak over a period of about two weeks it had healed they shipped me off from Swansea to Cardiff to the mm. neurosurgery department and because it's in the brainstem it, there's pretty much nothing they can really do about it but it, it had healed quite a lot by that time I felt really relieved on the one hand because I genuinely thought that I had something as soon as they mentioned the word benign I felt really relieved however it took 
a long time, a good six months for it really to sink in that I had had a stroke, that there had been a bleed in my brain. And I also have quite a rare side effect from having had a traumatic event around that area of the brain. It didn't offer me anything at all. So it was a really, really lonely place because I had no support at that time and I was the only person that I knew that was living with this and I wasn't with other stroke survivors or you know people that work with people with stroke no volunteer no no support network at all. Eventually Kath was able to connect with the Stroke Association. I found support through my cavernoma diagnosis but it took me another probably about 14 or 15 months before I made connection with the Stroke Association and said help me and how can I help you? I put myself in touch with them and said look during this time I was made redundant Um, It wasn't made redundant because of my condition. The whole department was made redundant. And I used the Welsh Assembly government training money to retrain in something completely different for myself. So I trained as a mindfulness meditation teacher. And mindfulness and meditation has really has helped me so much in just healing and in terms of coming to terms with my limitations and disability that I have. And I said to the Stroke Association, how can I be of help to other people? And they helped me in terms of there's a really big book you get from the Stroke Association and It helped me understand a lot of what was happening to me on a day-to-day basis. A lot of things that I'd already come to terms with, but that I didn't understand. Um, And they just put me in touch with a lot of other people who that I could relate to and who I could share my experiences with and vice versa. I take a mindfulness group every week with Helping Hands and the Stroke Association. I spoke at the Stroke Association annual conference last year, online conference, which was amazing. Just to share my experience and I've had a lot of outreach from volunteers and people in other areas of the country with the Stroke Association who have said, come and give us a mindfulness taster and I'm actually doing a couple of workshops later in the week. Kath suffered with her symptoms for several weeks before finally discovering the cause of her right-sided weakness and it took her several months more to come to terms with what had happened to her. Coming up in Stroke Stories, Kath on whether the stroke has changed her. It's made me be a lot kinder to myself and a lot more genuine and always try and connect with my truest wisest self to know because the whole time my body was talking to me I just didn't spend any silence listening to what he was saying and reflecting on her progress I am happier now than I was because it has given me an amount of freedom 
as where and whereas I've had to come to terms with my new looks and shape because it isn't just your right leg and your right arm you know it's the the whole of the right hand side of my body that's weaker and less coordinated and I just can't be as active and I am a different shape because the muscles just don't work the same as they did but on the whole freer and happier Let's hear how mindfulness has supported Kath's recovery. I think it's helped me find some space. It's helped me find some space from what is actually physically happening and the challenges that I face on a day-to-day basis, whether those be challenges that my body gives me or challenges of other people's attitudes, for example. Because I am quite young and I've got pink hair and I don't dress very conventionally, people tend to not see me as disabled at all, but I very much am. And it's just helped me find that space and find quiet and stillness and learn to love myself as I am now. My mindfulness, I do do other people as well. I just seem to have found my calling for service, as it were. Um, And it's not a religious service at all. It is just, as far as I'm concerned, people helping other people. You know, it's just a community. And it's just where I feel happy. And other people have responded really well. I think it has changed me as a person. I think it's made me be a lot kinder to myself and a lot more genuine and always try and connect with my truest, wisest self to know because the whole time my body was talking to me, I just didn't spend any silence listening to what it was saying. You know, it didn't just have an event out of the blue over a period of time it was giving me all the signals I just couldn't speak the same language and I think emotionally I can be you know actually physiologically it's just made me slightly more emotional as well at times it's usually a tiredness can't drive anymore to relinquish my driving license that's made a huge impact on how I define and saw myself. Kath has also continued to exercise regularly. I have people that I connect with who run a gym and when it's open pre-COVID I will go, they'll let me go at a time when it's not very busy because that, that works best for me and we certainly concentrate very much more now on balance, so on quality and on grip it's just different focuses really but it has helped tremendously I don't feel any bitterness towards it I would say that there are things that I think god if I didn't realize I wasn't going to be able to do that again I just would have done it more mindfully but apart from that I am happier now than I was because it has given me 
an amount of freedom as well. And whereas I've had to come to terms with my new looks and shape because it isn't just your right leg and your right arm. You know, it's the, the whole of the right-hand side of my body that's weaker and less coordinated. And I just can't be as active. And I'm a different shape because the muscles just don't work the same as they did. But on the whole, freer and happier. And Kath believes it's important to try and acknowledge what has happened to you? I think advice I would give to a stroke survivor would be that you have to feel to heal. You can't just not acknowledge that something has happened to you and look back. You can recreate what you had before, but be patient with yourself because the brain really does need rest and good nutrition and focus and space to heal. I think advice I would give to a carer or loved one of a stroke survivor is be patient and try sometimes to take a step back and think there's an awful lot going on inside that body. And that brain is rewiring and remapping and is coping differently is the way they've reacted because they're tired, because they need to sit down, have a cup of tea, because they need to go for a walk, they need their own space, or do they just need some love? You know, do they just need that connection? Just take a little step back, take a breath and just try and exercise a little patience. I think is what I would say. Kath now dedicates her time to providing mindfulness and well-being training for other stroke survivors in partnership with the Stroke Association and also continues to make great progress with her own recovery through regular exercise. Coming up on the next episode of Stroke Stories. I was in an acute rehab unit getting intense physical and occupational therapy for another two weeks, I believe, until I was able to walk. I was in a wheelchair pretty much until the time I got home. I really worked hard to, to be able to use a walker to come home. I was a little nervous just because all of a sudden to go back to that busy, busy lifestyle. Of course, my business was on hold, but two teenagers that are busy with activities and school and pets and a husband and and. I wanted to go home desperately, but I was a little nervous, yeah. Please don't forget to subscribe to Stroke Stories on your preferred provider and rate and comment on the episodes you hear to help us spread the word. And if you are or you know of a stroke survivor and there's a story you can share, please do contact via Twitter or Instagram. Our DMs are always open. The Stroke Stories podcast was produced by Aidan Judd. I'm Mark Goodyear. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.